Uh, we're in this series on spirit and truth, and uh, we are today talking about resources. Have you ever had kind of an ethical quandary in your head about how to use your resources? You know, like maybe you really wanted to bless someone, the charity in your heart, the one side of you was like, I should really help them out. But then your brain was like, I don't know if that's actually a good idea. And if I'm actually helping or hurting, you know, you've been in that situation, you know, there's that person on the street who's looking for something and you really want to help them out and you want to give it to them, but you're also, am I enabling or is this, you know, and and there's that question that happens and do I just like, ah, whatever, or or maybe it's about time, you know, We, we have limited time and there's so much good stuff to put our time into. And, you know, you have your family and there's getting ahead a little bit more at work in order to provide for your family. And there's the stuff at church and there's all this stuff, but you can't do it all at once. And so it's like, it seems like no matter what I do, there isn't quite enough time. And so I'm like, how's this all going to work out? And there's that, those ethical dilemmas sometimes, isn't there? About like what's actually right and what's actually wrong in this situation, you know? Have you ever had that? If you say no, I'm telling you, you're a liar. You know, this is, I think this kind of frames our lives in some ways. I mean, there's a few kind of questions that really frame our lives, and this is one of them. The use of our resources frames our entire life because our resources, everything that God's given us, it's the grace of God. I mean, we, we just sang a song that says, this is the air I breathe, right? Your very presence living within me. This is the air I breathe. How would we have a breath if it wasn't for God, right? If we, if we didn't have God, we wouldn't have a breath. And so all of it is the grace of God. This is Dave who's helping us out on drums. I named you while you walked out, man. I said, thank you for helping us out. So I just had to embarrass you now that you're back in here. Everybody say thanks to Dave for drumming. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so um, everything we have, everything we have is, is the grace of God, is it not? So the day that we've been given today, it's by the grace of God. All of our talents, all of our gifts, all of our resources, it's all from the grace of God. And we have a limited amount of time. And how we spend that, how we spend that is the decisions that we make all day, every day. How am I going to invest what God has given to me? Every time that a, a business goes through the budget process, we've got a big corporation going through a budget process every year. What ends up happening, of course, is each department is vying for their own uh, slice of the budget, and the corporation's trying to keep the cost low, but try to keep people efficient at what it is they're doing. We want the output, but we want to spend as little as possible in order to get as much as possible, and there's always that tension around how do we do that, you know? And in the economy of God, things are a little bit different. You know, he's not at all short on resources. There's no limit to what he has, including time, because he's from eternity past to eternity future. There's no shortness of time for God. And, uh, you know, he has unlimited resources and all of that. But there is, however, when it comes to our lives, we get a line item regarding time, regarding budget, regarding, uh, regarding uh, financial resources, regarding spiritual gifts. We get a line item. And, and he says, according to the grace apportioned to each of us, this is in Ephesians 4, according to the grace apportioned to each of us, we are given gifts, okay? And so we're all given stuff to work with. And according to Romans 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 29, it says that God's gift, his gifts and his call are irrevocable. Irrevocable. What's that mean? It means that God has a plan for my life, that in God's business, in his kingdom, that he has a plan, that my department, the Tim Deering department, the Deering family department, we have a role to play. Our call 
is irrevocable. Okay, and so any one of us, you know, I can name any one of your names right now and say your department in the kingdom of God is irrevocable. God has a call. He has a destiny. He has a plan for you. What's also irrevocable is the resources he gives you to spend in the pursuit of that call. Your days are numbered. God has them numbered. The gifts that he's given you, he gives you what he gives you according to the grace that's apportioned to you according to Ephesians 4. The resources, how many breaths we get, what our health is, we get what God gives us. And in the beginning, he says, here you go. And at the end, he says, this is, what, this is how I hope you will affect your world, your community. This is how I, have, I hope that you will love people. This is how I've designed you. And in between, there's this great expanse of our lives that we get to choose how to spend it. And someday it'll be gone. Someday it'll all be gone. And uh, there, it says that it is appointed for man once to die. And after that, there is resurrection. And after that, there is judgment. So there's this, there's this moment where we're judged for, for what it is that we've done with the resources that God's given to us. And that's kind of a scary thought on, on one level, but it's not meant to be a shameful thought at all. It's not meant to be a shaming thought. It's not meant to, to put fear and trembling into us. It's meant to frame. It's meant to frame us, just like a child training up a kid who says, well, you could spend all your time that way, but if you spend all your time that way, you're not going to get good at the things that you actually want to do. You know, if what you're saying is you want to do this with your life, well, then you have to invest into that. And that's what God is saying. He says to us, there will be a judgment. There will be a time when it's obvious whether or not we've invested into the right place and to whom much is given, much is required. And what you sow, that shall you also reap. And these are the principles that Jesus makes very clear in the kingdom. Okay, And that in the kingdom of God, he's investing into us and he has a wonderful life that he has planned for us because he has allowed us to be a part of the kingdom of God. And then he gives us these resources to go after it and to accomplish it. But the end goal, when I get into that moment where I'm trying to figure out how to spend my day and spend my time and spend everything, the end goal is I have to say, what is the point? What is it that I'm trying to accomplish with my life? And in the economy of God, in the kingdom of God, in the business of God, there is one goal, always. There's always one goal. That's called glorifying God. And this is why, this is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, uh, labor as unto the Lord. Okay? So he says, give your... Actually, what he says, let me read it for you. It's in chapter 15. It's at the very end of the chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And this is what he says. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Uh, Yeah, here here we go. Therefore, dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Okay, so if we have this amount to live with and then at the end there's this expectation of us, then he said, just give yourself entirely over to God, to the work of the Lord, because then you'll know at the end that you didn't waste it, that it wasn't in vain. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, you know, what does that mean? All right, we're all supposed to quit our jobs and we're all supposed to go and be missionaries over in Indonesia with Paul and Beth. You know, that's what we're supposed to do because that's the work of the Lord. No, of course not. What is the work of the Lord? The work of the Lord is to glorify God, right? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When you work, work as unto the Lord. That everything I do when I'm at my job, 
when I'm at home with my family, when I'm here at church interacting, when I'm in my neighborhood, that eking out of every action of my life should be the glory of God. And that is the currency in the, in the kingdom of God. That's what we produce is his, his glory. And we are called primarily to be producers. That's what we do. We produce for God. We produce his glory. And so, uh, all right, that's, that's how it works. That's kind of the frame of our lives. That's what resources are about. We're given the resources in order to spend, in order to reveal the glory of God. And what are our resources? Our resources are anything that we have that we can use in order to acquire something else, right? So it's not just, it's not just money. It's, it's my health. If I have health, well, I can use that health, right? But if I use it too much, then, you know, I, I can expend my health. I have time. We're all given a limited amount of time and so on and so forth. All the things that we have, our talents, many, many of those resources we use to invest into work where we gain another resource, which is called money. And money is like the clearinghouse. You know, it's that central spot where we trade. It's the currency where we trade all the other resources. So I'll give you some of my time and you'll give me money. And once I have the money, well, I can either buy someone else's time to come and do work on my yard or something, or I can buy goods to eat, which are resources, or I can buy, you know, I can do all sorts of things with the money. The money is kind of the central clearinghouse of, of all the money. So if I went to the doctor today and I said, you know, I don't have enough health to do what I need to do. I'm feeling sick. I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to tell him that I need antibiotics. Now the, the doctor is not going to say at the hospital, hey, okay, well then you go down to the cafeteria and you work for a little bit and then I'll give you the antibiotics. It doesn't work that way for us anymore. Money is the, is the hub of all of our resources. So he said, I can pay people to wash the dishes down in the cafeteria. What I need you to do is give me money, right? So then money becomes kind of this, the central way that we trade all of our resources. And now we all know that money can't buy everything. And so it's, it's not, everything doesn't channel through money, but it's the primary resource in our world. It's the way that we exchange goods now is through money, which is why when Jesus teaches, he teaches so much about money. You know that Jesus teaches more about money than he does about heaven and hell. <laughs> what? For real, he does. He teaches more about money than he does about heaven and hell. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to his teaching, he teaches about one thing all the time. He teaches about the kingdom of God. That's what he teaches about. There's this thing called the kingdom of God. In other words, that's reality. There's this false reality that we kind of live in that is, is only what we can see with these eyes. But then there's the bigger reality in which he actually is king. And things are done according to his principles, and that's called the kingdom of God. And he talks about that kingdom of God all the time. That's what he talks about. And he tries to open our eyes to live within the kingdom of God. And inside the kingdom of God, he is king, okay? And what do you do to the king? You worship the king. You give him what he's worth. So when we're giving honor to the king, when we're paying our taxes to the king, when we're worshiping the king, when we give him homage, when we come down and bow before the king, we call that worship. And when it comes to worshiping the king, we worship him in what? Spirit and truth. That's the name of, of this series, Spirit and Truth. And it started with Spirit and Truth worship. We worship the King in Spirit and Truth. But then when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, there's a second commandment that's like unto it, that we love our 
neighbor as ourself. These two commandments, all the commandments are summed up in these two commandments. So the second commandment is when we're worshiping God, we're doing that in the way we relate to each other. So that's why last week was spirit and truth relationships. Starts with spirit and truth worship, then it goes to spirit and truth relationships. Then when he talks about the kingdom of God, how we relate to him and how we relate to each other in this kingdom, there's one topic that he talks about more than any other topic, and that's resources, particularly money. Why? Because our money is very telling, isn't it? It tells what it is that we're invested into. It's, it's, the, it's the indicator as far as where we're putting our priority. Okay, and so he talks huge about money. So that's why today we're talking about spirit and truth and how we deal with the spirit and truth of resources. My heart wants to do this with my money. My mind's kind of telling me to do this. There's these principles about money that God talks to me about that I try to live through. But then there's this heart of God and how I deal with my resources and not just money, how I deal with my time, how I deal with my spiritual gifts, all of those things. And there's this balance of spirit and truth in the handling of our resources. So what we're going to do for a second here is we're going to read a text and then we're going to pull out a few points from that text that talk about truth points in dealing with resources and spirit points in dealing with resources, okay? And the text is going to be straight from Jesus' teaching. I'm going to refer to a bunch of other texts as we're talking here, but as, as we do, almost everything's from the book of Matthew. You know why? Because Matthew was a tax collector. He was a money guy, and he was all about Jesus' teaching, and he thought money. And so every time that Jesus taught about money, he keyed in on it. So you watch the parables all across the book of Matthew, and you watch. He's like, there goes Jesus talking about money again. And he's like learning a lot because he's a money guy. You know, it's funny. He wasn't the treasurer. Judas was. I don't know how that worked out. I guess they couldn't trust the tax collector but apparently they could trust the betrayer. You know, so it's weird how that worked. Anyway, um, Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached and uh, that I know of. And it's in uh, Ephesians, we're in Matthew chapter 6. We're picking up right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount and in verse 19. And even though we're deep, deep into the sermon at this point, I'm still going to have you stand here in honor of God's word for our text today. So please stand with me for Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? You can have a seat. God, we thank you for that passage. We thank you for teaching us just by reading that. I mean, I can just sense as I'm reading that, without having anyone teach it or anything, it just washes over me and tunes me up. You know, where I'm like, ah, it's a different perspective, different perspective. But I ask that it would come alive for us personally in the, in the remaining time here. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, how we deal with our resources is not just a matter of disciplines. It's not just a matter of I do this and I don't do that. It's really a matter of perspective. It's a matter of where do my resources come from, and it's a matter of understanding how I have to look at resources. And the difference, clearly, according to this text and many other texts in the Scripture, is whether or not I believe that I am a son and an heir or a daughter and an heir in the kingdom of God. And whether the God Almighty, unlimited resources, the God of the universe, whether I function inside of his kingdom and in his budget and I have his resources right at hand or whether or not I'm kind of on my own. That's really the big difference. If I think that I'm the one who controls what comes into my budget, into my wallet, and I'm the one who controls what goes out, then at the end of the day, I'm in charge and my God is actually my money because it's the thing that I need and the thing that I I need in order to spend and the thing I go after. But if God is the one who provides for me, if he's the one who provides for me, and if he's also the one who I have to honor, then it changes the game. It changes the way I look at everything. It changes whether I'm in charge or he's in charge, whether I'm looking to money or whether I'm looking to him. You know? And that's the big difference. You know? An heir in the kingdom of God, the difference is, you know, think about uh, Bill Gates. Okay? Bill Gates, if he, has a, if he has a kid who is really into playing piano, and he looks at his daughter and says, wow, man, she's really good at playing piano and she, she's really all about it. Would he be afraid to spend money on her to, to invest in? No, he'd get her some incredible Steinbeck or whatever, you know. But at the same time, he really cares about making sure that she's doing things the right way. So he's not just tossing resources like they're nothing. He's being smart about it. But at the same time, if she's a daughter of Bill Gates, what does she have to worry about? If she wants to go after this thing, just do it right and apply yourself to it. You don't have to have all this worry about it and everything. We're children of the living God. And if we believe that we are in God's business, it changes the whole way that we look at everything. You know, if I go to work, there's two kinds of employees. If I go to work and, I, and I'm going to work just to get the resources in order to do what I need to do with my life, and I'm punching the clock. You know, sometimes that's the kind of job we have, right? Where we go in and we're punching the clock in order to get the resources to feed our family. But that doesn't get me very invested in the company, does it? You know, it's kind of like... All right, you need my time. I'll give you my time. 
you give me my resources, we'll do what we got to do. That doesn't get me very invested. What does get me invested is if I'm a stockholder in the company, if I'm a partner in the company, now I'm really interested in the company moving forward. And I'm not so much interested in just my paycheck. I'm not so much interested in just making sure that I'm here for this amount of time and not that amount of time. I'm like, I'm all in and I'm thinking, how does the business work and how do we make this work? And yeah, I still got to stay healthy in order to make sure I do a good job here. But my investment into this place isn't just about, you know, perfect time to money ratio and then I'm out. I'm actually thinking about the business all the time if I'm invested, right? And this is the way it is in the kingdom of God. If I'm a son of God and I'm in the kingdom business, then what I want is the glory of God and the resources. Oh yeah, okay, I'm using the resources as best as I can to accomplish that, but I'm all in, which is very different. You know, I'm not thinking in terms of the resources. I'm thinking in terms of the product. And for someone who's really invested into the company, I want to get, I want to, I want to make sure that we're floating, that we're doing well, that we're getting the best product out of there and the money's coming in and all of that when I'm thinking just in terms of myself and I'm in control of my own kind of little world here, then it's, then it's just, I'm, I'm more on my own. And that's the difference between a child of God and a son, a, a, ch- a daughter, an heir. And so when it comes to a, a child of God, which is what Jesus talked about in that text that we just read, there's three primary principles, I believe truth principles, that you see in this text that talk about um, how a child of God handles their resources, okay? First one is verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The first principle, truth principle, a a perspective that if you're an heir, if you're invested, if you're a shareholder in the kingdom of God, then you understand that everything comes from God. And if I'm a part of this business, I'm investing back into this business. If dad is in control of the business, if the king is king over my life, then I'm paying homage to the king. And the principle, the first principle is called first fruits. And it's from the beginning to the end of the scriptures. All the way through, there's this principle called first fruits. That means out of everything I get, the very first thing I do is invest back into the company, invest back into the king, pay honor back to the king because I realize it all comes from him and it all returns to him. So if I'm a child of God in the handling of my resources, what it means is I believe dad's in charge. This is one of his principles, his truth principles. Always invest back into the kingdom. Why? Because he's short on money and he needs ours? No, because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. If I'm to love the Lord my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, if I want my heart to be there, then I have to financially invest there. I have to invest my time there. I have to invest all sorts of things. First fruit principles. When I wake up in the morning, the first moments of my day to God. When I go to to pay my bills and do all of that with my money, the first check goes to God. You know, that, that, that's the way it works. My resources, the first part of everything goes to the Lord. In the, in the Old Testament, it always talked about the tithe, the, the 10%. And in the New Testament, it doesn't back away from that at all. It goes well beyond that. In every one of the truth principles of the Old Testament, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ups it, you know? And so in the, in the Old Testament, there was these like, there, in some ways it was kind of nice because you just had like, all right, you got, you got to do the 10%. And then after that, well, it's kind of our money, you know, and we do it. But then when it comes to the New Testament, it's like, it's all God's. And, you know, for some people that kind of is like, well, since it's all God's, I don't necessarily need to do the whole first fruits tithe thing because it's just all God's. But that doesn't work in our lives because there's this principle inside of us that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. So we still have to actually invest and make the discipline of investing, which is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 
Paul actually says to them as far as the collection for the believers. That's the, right after that verse that I just read to you in, uh, in chapter 15 of Corinthians where it says, uh, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Uh, you remember that? I just read, uh, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. The next verse is chapter 16, verse 1, and this is what he says. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. What's the first day of the week? Sunday. Okay, so he says, set aside a percentage of your income every Sunday to give back. That's first fruits. That was in the Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament. That's not a principle just in order to, for church or whoever to get money. The principle is where our treasure is, there our heart is also. We're invested. We're a part of the family business. We got to give back to the family business to make sure that we're staying connected and all of that. First fruits is the first principle. And uh, it's all across the board uh, when it comes to um, our, as children of God, how we play ball with our resources, which is why, by the way, the last year, we tithed a huge part of Josh's time and his salary to prayer over in Pottstown, to be doing missional prayer over in Pottstown because we believe that we are part of the kingdom and that we are praying the way God wants us to. Time is one of the resources. Prayer means that he's in charge. So we're praying missionally on behalf of God and to God with Josh's time. You know, in the last month or in the last year, when we took one of our pastors and took a part of a huge part of his salary or a huge part of his time and invested it into prayer, you know what happened over the last year? We grew in staff. We have four pastors now. You know, we grew in our budget. Our budget has changed. We, our income is significantly more. We grew in numbers of people who are a part of the church. There's spiritual growth stuff happening all over the place. All that's happened as we took a time of one of our pastors, and instead of investing it back into Parker Ford, invest it into the broader kingdom of God. And God blessed us. That's first fruits principle, okay? Second principle when it comes to truth is this. Integrity. Verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How we deal with our resources, we do it righteously with integrity. If I have to violate the values of the company in order to get resources for the company, then I'm not doing the company any service. You know, if the, if what I'm supposed to produce in the kingdom of God is the glory of God, but I have to do things that don't glorify God in order to accomplish stuff for God, then guess what? I'm not doing God's work anymore. I just decided to serve the other master, right? And so Jesus talks about this. You remember in chapter 18, we talked about chapter 18 of Matthew last week where we have to confront our brothers and sisters. That's how we love them in truth. But there's also forgiveness, which is how we love them in spirit. In the middle of that, there's this parable that Jesus tells about a guy who he, he owes an enormous debt to his master. And so he goes and asks you know, for forgiveness, the master gives him forgiveness, and then he goes and chokes out some servant who owes him money, you know? And, uh, and the, the, of course, the master's like, you wicked servant, what are you doing? Because he had to violate the principles. His integrity he had to go bully and be mean and do all of that in order to get the resources that he wanted. God is loving him and forgiving him and being more than just and fair with him, and yet he is violating the principles of the one who gave to him. We can't do that. Integrity. We deal with it. If any time at work I have to do things that lack integrity in order to serve the dollar, then I'm serving the wrong master. 
Okay? So first is first fruits. Second is that we have integrity. And third is stewardship. Okay? This is about wisdom. Verse 20, it says this. If you read verse 20, it says, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. I used to work at Vanguard. You know what Vanguard was all about? They were about mutual funds that pay in the long haul. Long-term investing. That's all they ever said. Long-term investing. I heard that so many times. And I, didn't even, I wasn't even in investment at all. I'm working, driving a truck and working in a like, librarian with a computer and a forklift. You know? and, uh, and the, the, but every, we always hear long-term investing. What Jesus is talking about is with the resources in the kingdom of God. Not only do we give first fruits to him, not only do we deal things with things with integrity, but we're also wise about the way we do it. And we do it for long-term investing. How long is heaven? You know, like this is for all of eternity. Invest for all of eternity. And what he says is, is that when you invest these resources, invest in a place where it's a sure bet. Because the stock market can crash. And, you know, relationships can fall apart. And the moth can come in and eat up your clothes. And the thief can come in and steal your stuff. But once you put stuff in the treasury of heaven, good luck getting past Michael the archangel. You know what I mean? Like that thing's locked up, you know, and no one's getting in there. So the more we're investing our time, energy, talents, resources into the kingdom of God, the more we're making long-term investments with our life and we're building for the kingdom of God. That's stewardship. That's wisdom. He wants us to be wise in how we deal with our resources. There's, uh, that's the parable in uh, chapter 25 of Matthew. He talks about the parable of the talents. Remember that? He gives everybody uh, some investment money. The, the boss gives everybody investment money, and he goes away. And when he comes back, it's all, they're all judged based on how well they did with their investments. And the only guy who gets, gets, uh, that that master gets upset with is the guy who he went, and he was afraid that the investment wouldn't go well. So he went and locked it up all tight and so that he wouldn't lose anything. But, I mean, that's like, that's like Bill Gates' daughter saying, I don't want to play that piano. I might break it if I play it. You know, and he's like, you kidding me? Have you seen how much money I have? I'm trying to help you move forward here. I'm trying to help you. I just want you to do something with it. And God's like, I give you, gave you a day today. I give you resources. I gave you spiritual gifts. I gave you a role in the kingdom of God. I just want you to do something with it. And I want you to be wise about how you do it. Not afraid, smart, smart. Think about what's important. Think about what will work for the long haul and invest into it. If any of us lacks wisdom, what are we supposed to do? Ask for it and it will be given generously. So if we don't know how to invest the resources, ask and begin to listen. There's a difference between worrying about tomorrow and planning for tomorrow. God never tells us not to plan for tomorrow. He does tell us not to worry about tomorrow. There's a big difference. He's telling us to plan for all of eternity. That's what he's saying. Long-term investing. Think long-term. Real long. Real long. Okay? All right. So that's truth side. Now, three points on the spirit side. They go like this. Number one, if you're a child of God, this is where our hearts are when it comes to how we deal with resources. First of all, we're grateful. Okay? Because the, reason, the whole reason we do the first fruits thing is because it's his company. He's the one who provides for us. So we pay back to him in order to keep our focus on him. But once our eyes do get focused on him and we look around, we start seeing what it is that God's done. 
and how much he's blessed me. And I start getting grateful. And that's when I get grateful. And so anyone who's a child of God walks in an attitude of gratefulness, in, in true gratefulness. This is why um, in, in verse 22 there, it says that the eye is the lamp of the body. And so whatever my eyes are looking for, whatever it is I'm searching for, talks about what's going on inside. You understand that principle? So if this is the lamp, what's coming in? What am I looking for? If I'm looking in my life, I look over and I look at my neighbor's driveway over there and I see a really nice ride and I'm like, huh, that would be sweet, you know? And I think I would be more happy if I lived in that house over there. This is what my eyes are tuning to. What do I need? How can I have that? How can I look like that? How can I be with them? How can I acquire that? How can I be more secure like that? How can I have that? You know, and, and if our eyes are tuned on what we do not have, then there's darkness inside, right? And, and it just makes everything more and more dark. And I lose joy and I lose peace and I start to worry and all of that stuff. However, just a chapter before in this sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something else about our eyes. He says, the pure in heart will see God. The pure in heart will see God. And so if my eyes are instead of training on what it is that I don't have and what I want, if instead my eyes are trained on what he has given me, then I'm saying, my mercy, his mercies are new every day. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. Look at what you did for me. You know, And I could be living over there with absolutely nothing, and I'm blessed with this. And you died on the cross to save me from my sins? You've got to be kidding me. You know, And the grace is all over the place. And I turn to a, a, an attitude of gratitude and gratefulness, which brings joy joy and peace to my life. That's the, that's the big, the hilarious thing about materialism and greed is it's always promising to make us happy and it never does. And all it takes to be happy and have joy and peace is to be happy with what I have. And as soon as I do that, I can actually have joy and peace. But the more I chase the other stuff, the less happy I get. It's just simple, right? It's, that's how greed works. It's the deception of the enemy. So if we're a child of God, our heart it goes the other way. Our heart is like, well, what do I think about? What do I focus on? Do, do, does that stuff control me? Not at all. And here's the thing. One thing about that. If I have an attitude of gratitude, God can bless me with so much because I can handle it. But if I don't have an attitude of gratitude, then it's really dangerous for God to give me stuff because it feeds my addiction to materialism. You know, It feeds my addiction to greed. And if I want, want, and then God blesses me, well, ah, that worked for a minute. You know what I want? So he's not trying to enable me. But if I get to the place where I'm really grateful for what God's given me, then I can be a channel of his resources in order to do work for his kingdom. Because he's like, you're not looking to get more. You're looking to bless. You know? so, okay, so anyway, that's gratefulness. Second spirit, second attitude that, uh, that believers have, uh, those who are children of God, is that of confidence, of faith. Okay? And this means that, I don't worry. I don't worry. I love it in verse 30, the end of verse 30 where it says, oh, ye of little faith. And then it goes into 31 and it says, why are we saying like, what shall we eat? And what shall we drink? And what shall we wear? Are you kidding me? Like, you're really worried about that? And, and by the time we get to chapter seven, he says, which one of you? When your son asks you for a piece of bread, you're going to give him a stone. Or, or when he asks you, you're going to give him a snake. You know? Of course you're not. You love your kid. I am the heavenly father, the perfect father. 
how much more am I going to give you good gifts? That's what he says in chapter 7, I think verse 22 in that area. And he talks about like him, his investment into us. You know, so you should have confidence. You don't need to worry about the paycheck coming in, about the resources. Why are we worried? Live just in absolute confidence that as we live in integrity and live in righteousness with our resources, live according to the kingdom's kingdom values, we don't have to worry about whether it's going to come back for us. Dad's in charge and dad is loaded. You know, he's loaded with money. He's loaded with time. He's loaded with power and spiritual gifts. And he'll give us every good gift that we need in order to accomplish what it is that he's called us to. And we don't have to worry about it. You know, when we moved here for the replant, when the Bite Works and the Deerings moved from our respective places to come go through the replant with Parker Ford Church, there were some huge risks involved in that thing. Gigantic financial risks involved in, in the transition into this place. And it's funny how God provided differently for each of us, you know? At, at one point, uh, we were really struggling trying to figure out how to sell our house. On both sides, the Biteworks side and the Deering side, the, the market, you know, took a dump right when we were moving. That's when the whole thing fell out, you know? The whole thing just fell apart right as we were trying to sell our house, and we were in the midst of trying to make this transition here. And Jen and I knew we clearly were directed by God to move into Coventry Glen, this community right here, because we were to be present in this community. And we knew it. And, and, and yet we couldn't really, we were like, I don't know how we're going to make that work, you know? And, and then we had to sell our house in the meantime. And the, the market was, was falling apart. And so we were really trying to figure out how we were going to make the difference work if we, if we couldn't sell our house. We were like, we're really in trouble if we can't sell our house. Well, I had forgotten, silly me, I had forgotten about some investments that we had that uh, they were actually doing okay. And so we took out the investments. We're like, yes, we have the money to kind of like help out. And Jen was praying and God was like, is that your money or mine? And she came and told me that. And I was like, it's ours. <laughs> no, I didn't actually say that. I was like, okay. And at the same time, we had some friends who were in real need. And God was like, you got to give a significant portion of that money away. And we did. Because we're like, first fruits, he's dad. we got to trust him. Well, we ended up with a realtor who did everything for us for free. And as a matter of fact, kicked back a whole bunch of money for us. That cross was bought by him. Netzer, the leadership organization we're a part of, was funded initially by him, by that realtor who hooked us up. On the, on the, we were within a month, uh, we were two weeks from the settlement on this house here. Okay, two weeks from settling on this house, and no one was even biting on our other house. I'm like, we're done, okay? There's, you can't settle on a house in less than a month. You know, you need a month in order to go to, to settlement because the mortgage company takes that, it takes that much for the bank to give you the mortgage. Okay, so we were, we were stuck. We're like, we're trying to figure out how to deal with this. And it was in the middle of that that we found the investment. And, then, and, and we were like, and then we can't use the investment. We're like, you got to be kidding me. So we, we gave that money away, and then... This amazing thing happens where someone came and looked at our house and they said, hey, we're interested in it, but we can't finance it right now. And they got a private financer. And because of that private financer, they could fast track the whole process. The last possible day before we could settle, we were settling on this house on a Monday. And on that Friday, the last business day beforehand, we had settlement on that house within two weeks of the time that the person had looked at it and we had the money in order to put the down payment on here and God provided for us. You know, beautiful, beautiful thing. The Bite Works, on the other hand, very different story. They were in the business, they were trying to flip a house. They were taking care of a house and flipping the house to sell it to someone else. They couldn't get rid of it. 
They were, out, they were outside of Detroit. They were in Michigan. There's no cell in that house. God couldn't even do it. No, just kidding. He could easily do it. Um, but God, the way he blessed them was not by having them sell the house. The way he blessed them was by always having a renter who would go into that house. And when they had needs here, he found a way to provide for them. God provides this way one day, this way to this person, this way over here. But he always provides if we will listen and we will follow. If we will give first fruits to him, if we will stay in integrity with how we handle our resources, if we think in wisdom and ask him for wisdom and follow, then we get grateful for what he does give us and we have confidence that he will always provide. And then there's this one last point. We are children of the king. And everything we do reveals his glory which means the way we handle our resources has to look exactly the way he handles his resources. And how does he handle his resources? With extreme generosity. Extreme generosity. That's how God handles his resources. You know, we are a part of this kingdom and the whole point of this kingdom, it flips, it takes all the principles of the world and it flips them upside down. I call it, I used to call it the upside down kingdom. Now I call it the inside out kingdom. You know, it comes from the inside first, not from the outside. We're not trying to fix stuff on the outside. We're trying to do right on the inside and then it works itself out. Like the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, a tiny little thing that gets planted. And this one act of righteousness eventually multiplies into a tree that has enormous value. But if you just go and try to make some fabricated tree that didn't grow naturally, it doesn't work. It doesn't bear fruit. If you try to fabricate the kingdom of God and just try to make a facade of the kingdom of God, it doesn't work. We actually, actually at the core of it, have to do things the way he does. And the, way, the, the very center of the kingdom of God, there are these principles. And one of them is this. It says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? I try to believe that. I try to believe it. There are moments when I believe it heart and soul and I give and I realize it's so true. You know, it's so true. And then there are moments when I'm not as convinced, you know, when I I know I believe it up here, but my spirit isn't quite there when I'm not as generous as I should be, when I'm not just willing to just let it fly, you know, and give with generosity of my time or whatever else, because I still feel like I want a little bit of control that I want to serve the other master, that I can control a little bit easier because I can't control God, you know? I, I feel like I can control my wallet a little more than I can control God. You know, I can control my calendar a little more than I control God, but it's all a lie. We know that it's a lie. We are blessed to be a blessing. And this is why there's this beautiful picture. I love this. This is one of my favorite pictures in all of Scripture. You know it well, probably. And it's the moment when this woman comes walking in and she has this perfume, this nard that's worth a year's worth of wages. And she goes and she pours it all over Jesus. And she anoints him with this oil. Just wastes it, right? Waste is the word that's used in that text. Why is she wasting this money? Why is she wasting it on him? And you know what they say? They say they could, he could have used this. To, she could have used this money. It could have been sold, and they could have used it to feed the poor. That's an important thing, right? And they're talking about wisdom. You got to use wisdom, girl. Like, what are you doing? You're just tossing this money away. You got to use wisdom because that's one of the truth principles. But there was there was a balance to that truth principle, and it's a spirit principle. 
And she's like, I will love the Lord my God with every part of my being. And if it takes me taking my money and liquidating my account to be generous to God, you better believe that I will do it. I will do it in a heartbeat because he will provide for me. I am confident of that. And I am grateful for what he's done. And I will not hold back anything from my Savior because he has held back nothing from me. It's a beautiful picture. Absolutely gorgeous picture. What does it mean to waste ourselves on God? Paul says that our labor will never be in vain if our labor is for the Lord. We can't waste ourselves on God. We can only invest. No matter how big of a waste it feels, it's an investment. And it's a good, good investment. I want to end by telling you this one story. Um, I was, this is a few, this is like a, a couple months ago now. I had a buddy, um, I was playing soccer with one of my buddies on a Monday night. And uh, it's an old man's league. It's 35 and over. So they make it late. They make the games late because we have to put our kids to bed first. And, uh, and so our game wasn't, I think our game was at 10 or 11. It was a, it was a late game that night. And, um, when we got done the game, we were coming back, we came back to the house. He and I had driven over together and, uh, and I could tell that he wanted to talk and it was really late, you know? And I didn't really, I, I was a friend who I really like, you know, I was, you know, we're close and he loves the Lord and I I love hanging out with him. But I had a counseling session the next morning at 6 a.m. And I had a Bible study at 9 a.m. And I hadn't even looked at the text yet for the Bible study because I hadn't had time. And I was short on time. I was not only short on time, we were also short on finances at the time because we had a whole bunch of stuff that was happening that we were having to pay out. You know when it's like everything happens at once and you're just paying out? And my car was shot. My car had fallen apart. Just to get it back on the road was going to cost, I think it was three grand to get it on the road. And they said to pass inspection, it was going to be five grand to get on the road. That thing wasn't even worth 500 bucks. You know, and it was like, it was falling apart. And I was like, Oh, man, you know, and we're in a tough spot financially. But this night, okay, so we're at one of those places where time and money and everything is just kind of stressful. And that night, it was late, and I was like, I don't know if I, I – I was in one of those ethical dilemmas where I was like, I think the smart thing is to go to bed because i got to be ready for this counseling session tomorrow, and i got to prepare. And I, if my mind's not right, I'm not going to be able to dig into the Scripture to understand it. So I need to tell my buddy, like, we'll talk another time. You know, I need to be smart about this. And as I went to dismiss him, you know, and say, hey, let's talk another night, the Spirit of God moved in my heart, okay? And I knew this is what he was saying to me. This is what I sensed. He was saying, this is my son. This is my son. He's your brother. And right now, this is family time. And I got it. Invest. Be with him. Invest, okay? So I was like, all right. So I'm like, come on in. So we go up and we sit down at the table and the conversation starts going. And man, it cracks wide open. And the harvest was ripe. This guy really needed to talk. And God was doing profound things in his life. And it has proven months later to be an absolute game-changing moment in this guy's life. Huge bump forward in this, in this guy's life spiritually. At the time, I wasn't aware of any of that, of course. You know, I wake up the next morning and I go into this counseling session. <laughs> the counseling session was hilarious because one of the things we talked about in that counseling session, uh, the person I was talking with, we were, t- we were talking about resources. And the person was really having questions about resources. And I'm like laughing inside, like, oh, my gosh. You know, we get done that. And it was, that was a good, good session too. Right after that, I go to prepare for my lesson. And, and it was Galatians chapter 4. 
for the lesson, which is about the difference between a son and a slave. That's what the difference is. That's what the text is about. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, it talks about being an heir. If you are a son, then you are also an heir. And I'm like, I'm an heir of God. I'm about to teach people that I'm an heir of God, but I'm having a hard time trusting God right now with both my time, my resources, and all of that. And it cross-referenced the scripture in Isaiah 64, okay? And I turned to Isaiah 54, Isaiah 54, which I don't know if you remember Isaiah 54. Those of you who have been here for a couple years, someone asked me if we should go on a building project and do a building project. And I didn't want to do it, okay? And they asked me if I would just be kind enough to ask God what he would have us do. So I did. Before I went to bed, I was brushing my teeth, I asked the Lord, hey, if you want to say something about this building project, I already know you don't want us to build it. Who wants to spend money on brick and mortar, you know? Uh, But feel free to let me know. I wake up the next morning, I open up the text, and it's to Isaiah 54, and this is what it says. Uh, I'll I'll read it to you. (laughs) Every now and then you just got to read it instead of quote it. Here it is. (laughs) Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. And that's what I read when I woke up the, the morning after asking the Lord, what do you, I, I know you don't want us to spread out and build a building, you know, but hey, I'm open to whatever you want. So let me know. And that was the text. Okay, so here I am preparing for this Galatians thing. And it cross-references to this passage. I look back over to this passage in Isaiah 54, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, every time you ask me to do stuff that I don't think I have the resources for, it challenges me on this deepest level to trust you. And I'm like, and I'm having a hard time trusting you right now. I'm out of time. I don't have a whole lot going on as far as the finances. And there's a whole lot of outflow, a whole lot of ministry that needs to happen and a whole lot of things that need to be spent on. You know, and I'm in the middle of preparing this to, and I get a text on my phone. And my phone is sitting right here next to my Bible. And I look over and the text says, hey, Tim, we're going to help you out buying a new car signed by someone, you know? And it was this provision from God that he was financially taking care of us. And this is what he spoke to my heart about the night before. He said, you were having a hard time trusting me with your time. If you trust me with your time, I'll provide in any other way. You know, you wanted to be a little greedy last night with your time and not listen to me. And what I find is, is the ethical dilemmas that we have around the use of our resources. It's not about that it's that confusing. It's that our hearts are divided. It's really clear the principles of how a, how a person should use their resources. The problem is, is when my heart is divided, I get a little bit greedy and controlling, and I have a hard time hearing from God in the moment because my spirit isn't in line, so I can't know the truth about the situation. That's the struggle of the whole thing. That's how that whole thing works out. And so if we get into that place of gratitude, if we get into that place of trust, if we get into that place of just outlandish, like, generosity, then we will find that things will get clearer and clearer. Because there's a game plan about how to be wise with money, and those apostles knew it, which is why they were mad at the woman for spending all that money on Jesus. But God also calls audibles at the line because he knows what needs to happen in the moment. And when he does, we trust him, and he'll provide. Amen?
He's a good dad. He's a good dad. We can trust him. All right, let's pray.